many of you loved hearing that sound again right there, that good old dial-up modem uh, form of uh, getting on the internet? Remember those days? No, some of you don't. Some of us do, all right? Huh? That was back, you know, that was back before there were these things that were called like 5G and things happened so quick. We waited for that dial-up. How outdated was that sort of stuff there, right? Um, hopefully you really enjoyed that commercial right there. If you're sitting there saying that was good, I'm a little nervous. You might be outdated. Um, hey, you are, you are stuck with me again this week, so if you are happy about that, you, uh, that is a good thing. If not, you have somebody that you can thank for that. Um, oh, oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, I get the privilege of uh, showing you a special picture. Many of you would have seen this online already this week, but uh, for those of you that did not, this is Evelyn Grace, all right, along with her mom and dad, all are doing well. Yeah, you can give that, give Evelyn Grace, yeah. <laughs> Evelyn Grace was born last Sunday, uh, last Sunday afternoon, so that was 327, and she was born at 335. Mom and baby and dad are all doing well. As a matter of fact, I believe dad is gleaming brightly and very excited, but they are adopting to life. They are, they are changing and adopting to life of having uh, this new one at home over this past week. Five kids at home now. What a wonderful, uh, blessed, filled family that is. Um, that, that is wonderful for them. But last, last Sunday morning, um, I think you're supposed to announce eight pounds, eight ounces, and I believe it was 20, I believe she, not it, she was 21, ounce, 21 um, inches as long, uh, inches long as well. I'll get that all right there. But uh, pray, praise God for that. If you are interested in being part of uh, the people that are providing meals for the family at this time, uh, if you go online to, the, uh, to, our, to, our web, to our Facebook page, to the Conklin Facebook page, there is the opportunity that you could sign up to provide a meal there for them. So hey, blessing from God right there. We are so thankful for that. And it, it's really actually an ideal time to even be talking about that, about, about the birth of this, of this new baby. And, and I say that because today as we look at, get back into this series called Outdated, we are in week two of a series that we are taking a look at some things, all right, some issues of today, some matters of today that we may call outdated. Well, that's an outdated belief. Nobody believes that anymore. Nobody holds to that anymore. Right, and those are the those are the things that we may be thinking, or that the world may think, or that you may start to think. You just may, even if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you might start to think, "Well, is that really true?" And, and last week we looked at hell, and and that's that's a difficult one to look at, right? Um, why? Because the reality of hell, separation, eternal separation from God, is not a pleasant one. So it would be more enjoyable to just say, "Well, I, that might be a little bit outdated. Maybe that was for the old." Um, Bible thumping, thumping, uh, fire and brimstone pastors. Maybe that's not for today. But Jesus talked about hell. And if you weren't here last week and you would like to hear more from that message outdated last week, I would encourage you to go to our website and you can pick that up. But here t today, we are in week two. And what we are going to be looking at is uh, another thing, another belief that might you might look at and say it's outdated. All right. Um, but it's But it's creation. All right, we want to talk about creation today. Another one that's a, that's a, that's that's a lot of fun to look at. As a matter of fact, actually, as we go through this message, um, I, I love the I love the part where when we get to the end of this, and not just that end that you all love that end where I sit down and shut up. That's the part that you 
don't laugh at that. You're not supposed to like that part. But that's the part where you like, but, but as we go through us, um, we, we sang there that we are children of God, right? Um, we are image bearers of God. And we're going we're gonna to get to that this morning as we go through this idea of creation. But as, as, we, le- as we go towards that, I, I just want us to get the idea in our minds that what we think about creation is important in your life. It's, an, it's important in how you think in this world. It's important for the worldview that you have. Now, we are, I am not going to discuss six-day literal creation. Maybe some of you hold to a gap theory. Maybe some of you hold to a day-age theory. I can discuss any of that with you, but that is not my purpose this morning. My purpose this morning is to discuss the idea that creation, that there is a creator. And we are going to go through that. We are going to look at that. And one of the very first things that we start with is we're going to start with Genesis 1.1. If you have your Bibles, it's the easiest place to spot. It's the easiest place to find, right? Um, If you have your outdated uh, Google Pixel and not your Apple iPhone, right? No, no good. All right, outdated. Come on, no good on that one. All right, you can bring that. You can bring it up on your app as well. Whatever you would like to bring up there, or the verses will be up here on the screen as well for you this morning. But Genesis chapter one, verse one, the very first, the very first verse, the very first words of our scripture. As a matter of fact, the very first words of the Jewish scripture. Right, this was given. Moses is going to be the person that writes this. As a matter of fact. For all of history, for roughly 4,000 years from when Moses wrote it, uh, well, probably 3,500 years, roughly in that ballpark, 34, 3,500 years, since Moses wrote it, until the 1900s, everybody accepted that Moses wrote this. It was in the 1900s when some... Some theologists, uh, some theologians became, became to get a lot smarter, began to get a lot smarter, and they thought, oh, maybe it's not Moses. But even Jews accepted. As a matter of fact, Jesus accepted that Moses wrote this. Moses, you have the prophets, you have the law and the prophets. Jesus talked about that, except this. So, so I'm going to just go from the beginning that this was written by Moses. Was Moses there at the beginning? No, God dictated, God gave this to him to write. And Moses writes this and he pens this. And how do the Jewish scriptures begin? What is our Old Testament scriptures? They begin with this very statement right there. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. There is no idea that, oh, well, let's find a defense of God. Let me go back and defend God. Let me bring about how God started. Let me bring about how God began, how God came into being. Jewish Jewish religion, all right? As Moses writes it, Christianity, which takes and, and takes Jewish scriptures, why? Because they proclaim Jesus Christ. They proclaim a coming savior, all right? We hold on to that. And how does it begin? It begins with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There is a creator, and we are introduced to him right from verse 1 of our scriptures, right from the very beginning of our scriptures. We are introduced to a creator. And one of the things that I want us to know, there's a couple of things that I want us to know, and the very first one that I'm going to look at is this. Scripture does not start by trying to prove God. It doesn't. It doesn't start there. There's not that idea that we are going to prove God. That's not what it is. It just assumes he exists. Moses probably assumes he exists because Moses, when he goes up on that mountain and and Moses sees a burning bush and he goes over, what's going on? And God calls out to him from it. Moses assumes he exists. Why? 
because he's hearing from God. He's not there like, hmm, I don't know who this is. Not aware. Ah, not certain. Don't know what it is. Who are you? Right? And God declares who he is to him. I am who I am. That's who I am. You go back and you tell the people that I am sent you. So right from the very beginning of scriptures, our scriptures are given. They are written not to prove that God exists, but rather with the assumption why? That he exists. Why? Because Moses, the author, the writer of the beginning of scriptures, heard from God. As a matter of fact, he took the Ten Commandments, those original ten, those ten laws that were given to the people that were written with the very finger of God originally. Moses was aware that there was a God. And when he writes scripture, he says, in the beginning, God created. The other thing that we learned from this passage real quickly is this right here. God is eternal right? God is eternal. In the beginning, he was. It's not in the beginning God was created. It's not in the beginning God was, came up out of some muck of mire and wire of whatever it was of all the conglomerations of what was there. It wasn't that God suddenly came out of something, but rather he just was. God was. Uh, Psalm 90 verse 2 says it this way right here. It says, before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Scripture gives us that God is, Scripture gives us that God is eternal, that he is everlasting. I don't know about you, but I, we can't put our minds around that, can we? You see, we're trapped inside this thing called time. And, and one of the amazing things about Scripture, one of the amazing things about God is God created time. We can't understand outside of time, can you? Anybody here able to understand being outside of time? Right? We're trapped in this idea. We're trapped in the idea that we might live 70, 80, 90, maybe 100 years of life. And, and we can remember back, well, some of us, we can remember back 10 years, but we can't remember yesterday, right? Anybody else like that? I, I have some of those issues. But anyway... We're trapped inside time. God is not. He's eternal. He always was. He always is. He always will be. And when it comes to the idea of God creation, God came, stepped into, God came in, created time, and made all that is. In the beginning, God created. Before any of it was there, he was from everlasting to everlasting. The other thing that I want you to take a look at is this right here. God created everything out of nothing. If you're following along in the app, that's the very first point that we have today. The idea that God created everything out of nothing. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You see, he took and he created. Everything that we see, everything that we have was created by him. As a matter of fact, the introduction to the scripture. Bara is the Hebrew word. Bara is the Hebrew word that is used there. And it's the idea of creating from nothing. You and I, we may say that we create something, and, and at times it, it is used, all right? The idea of forming. As a matter of fact, it's going to talk about, about God forming Adam out of the clay of the ground, right? But in creation, it's bara. He created out of nothing, took and made out of nothing. You and I may occasionally create, maybe it's a fancy dish, something to eat. We're going to create that. Well, what do we do? Snap our fingers and 
There's everything together, or do we grab different ingredients and we form and we create it out of that? God did not. Out of nothing, he created everything and everything that is. That is important in your life. It is important in my thinking that we come to the realization that we have a God that created. It forms our worldview, and it helps us with the way we think about others. It helps us with the way we think about ourselves. We're going to look at that a little bit more in just a little while. John 1, 3 says it this way. It says, it's through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. John reaffirming that very idea that God created everything out of nothing. The apostle Paul worded it this way in Colossians when he says these words here, for in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers, authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. You see, our scripture makes us aware that there is a God that created. Now, some of you, if you're wondering about the whole God thing and you're wondering about creation, you may say, well, that, yes, that is true. Uh, scripture is going to proclaim the creation of God. And if you accept Scripture, well, naturally you believe that. Others of you, you may say, I don't accept Scripture, so I don't accept the premises that there is a God. And, and that's, I understand, you're, you're wondering. You're, maybe you're wondering about that. But I would encourage you to take a look around at design, right? Intelligent design argues for the idea that there was a designer out there. There are other proofs. Apologetics go through proofs that there is a God that created. Look at your own body. Look at our body. The amazement of it. Birth, as I mentioned that birth this morning, the idea of birth, well, it just developed over millions of millions and billions of years. That, that seems like that takes a lot of faith to me to believe as well that that egg came together with that sperm cell, and as they formed and they became a child, that seems like a lot of faith to believe that that just happened through evolutionary processes rather than through a God that intentionally created. You see, God created everything out of nothing. Let me just go over some thoughts real quick here. I, I think Genesis 1-1 helps us with some false beliefs really quickly, and I just want to go through some of these really quickly with you, because this isn't where I want to hit our focus this morning, but I do want to go through it. Um, Genesis 1-1 helps us reject these false beliefs. Atheism, right? Atheism says there is no God. Genesis 1-1 says God, right there from the beginning. Agnosticism, same thing. I'm not sure. I don't know. We can't know that there is a God. How can you be sure? How can you know that there is a God? Genesis 1-1 again says, you know what? God was there. God created. It helps us with the idea of dualism, right? Dualism, this idea that good and evil existed right from the beginning, and there's a battle between good and evil. No, no, no. There is evil that is a result of the fall of Satan, but the battle is already won. Why? Because God is God. So, so it helps eliminate that idea of dualism. Continue on with naturalism, right? If you want to just be a naturalist who thinks that everything um, comes back ultimately to just natural laws describe all that there is out there, and you just want to hold on to, I, I almost want to compare that to an idea of secularism, that it's just all about me and all about everything that I do as well. God created. I believe that it, it, it rejects that right there. Pantheism, all is God? No, not all is God. Not, not everything around you, not everything is God's, Right? but rather God created all that is. Is God omnipresent? Yes, he is everywhere in some manner. I don't know, under, I can't understand that. My mind can't fathom that and grab that. But God is everywhere. 
but God, not everything is God, right? We are, we are creations of God. And then polytheism, right? It, it, it tells us, it makes us aware right that there aren't multiple gods, but rather there is God. So right away, Genesis 1-1 helps you form. Whether you hold that idea helps you form your worldview in this life, in this world that you live in. How do you think about that? It's important. It's not just something that we throw out alongside. Let me continue on because we're going to continue and we're going to look at the next, uh, the next point that goes along with this. See, a little bit later in Genesis chapter 1, we're told this in verse 11. It says this, Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. And God said, Let land... Let the, land, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. The next thing, not only do we know that God created all out of nothing, we also realize that God created plants and animals to produce what? After their kind. When it comes to the scientific world and when it comes to this idea that we want to look at and we want to go through evolution and we want to compare and we want to find the, the missing link that exists to bring it all together, the missing link doesn't exist, right? It's, it's not there. What do, we, what do we reproduce after? We reproduce after our kind and kinds reproduce after their kind. Wow. Amazing. The DNA structure that makes up the human, the human being, the DNA structure that makes up other living creatures created by God. We need to be aware that all life was created by God. That forms the way you think. That forms the way I think. That forms the way I treat others in this world. It forms the way I treat the world, how I care for things in the world. Correct? Why? Because it's God's creation. It's not just something for me to look out over there and just say, well, what do I care? I can go through, I can waste, do whatever I want, make a mess of whatever I want. We need to care for what God has given. We need to realize that creatures don't evolve. They reproduce after their own kind. Right? There is that reproduction after their own kind. We can go into that more, but what I really did is I wanted to get to this next part because I believe this is the part that is so important for you and I, and I believe it's the focus of Genesis chapter 1. If you've grown up in, in the environment that I grew up in, Genesis chapter 1 became a, became a way to refute evolution for all of our lives, right? Um, and just a way to go down through and declare that. But I think something so much more takes place there that sometimes we miss. And it's that through the Genesis 1 creation account, God is creating something with a purpose for something. Everything that he creates has purpose. And it is moving forward to what, I, what I'm going to call the centerpiece of creation. <clears throat> the centerpiece of creation. And the centerpiece of creation is when he gets down to the end of chapter one, when, when Moses is writing this through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, through God leading him through writing this, he gets down to the end of chapter one. And as he gets to this end, after building this beautiful place, this perfect environment, 
He goes and he says these words. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image. Different language used here. There is something that's changing. There's nothing else that has been made in the image of God. God hasn't said, let us do this in our image. But now he suddenly says, let us make mankind in our image. In our likeness, he wants to emphasize it so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky, over the livestock and over all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. God created people to be special. The centerpiece of his creation. He brought together. And what's interesting there, I always, I always like to point this out. One of the very first things that he says is, God says, let us. Suddenly there is that idea. Everything else has just been then God, then God, then God, then God. Here it is, let us. So we're introduced to this idea that God is a we call it a trinity now because later on we are going to see that there is God the Father, there is God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But Genesis 1, we don't realize that. We just realize him saying, let us make man in our image. And I believe that means that, guess what? You are created to have relationship with people. Other trees aren't created to have relationship, right? It doesn't, it doesn't exist. But you and I, were created different. We're created in the likeness. We're created in the image of God. Relationship is important. We're created with the ability to think. We're created with the ability to make a decision. That's important. Why? Because if we follow evolution out to its, out to its highest degree, we are just programmed to do what it is that we are programmed to do, and we do not have another choice. Christopher Hitchens says it himself, one of the leading atheists in our time today that would say that you can do nothing else because that is what you are programmed to do. God has given you the ability to make a decision. I don't understand how our free will and the divine sovereignty of God all works together. It's beyond my comprehension. It's beyond my thinking. But in some manner, in the image of God, we are able to make decisions. E, Adam and Eve were able to choose the tree of good, knowledge of good and evil or not. And they chose to do what God had said not to do. We are created special. I believe also with that that we are created for eternity. You may say, well, I certainly don't feel like that. I'm, I'm however old you are right now. And you're like, boy, I don't feel it. Our minds, our minds wonder. We think about what is after this, right? The, evolution was, uh, the evolutionist would say nothing. You're going to die. You're going to go in the ground. That's all there is. And yet there is that idea in our heads that there is something else there. Where did that come from? Just fairy tale and hope? Maybe. Or maybe it was put in there by God who said, you are created in my image. I am an everlasting God, and I will create beings in my image that are going to have this in their lives as well. Eternity. We are not eternal. We are not from beginning to end, but we will live somewhere. We will spend the rest of eternity somewhere, right? We are made in the image of God. What did Jesus say? So that's Genesis 1.1. We, like, we all like Jesus, right? The people might say, oh, I don't hold to the beginning of time. I don't hold to the introduction of Scripture. 
I don't like Genesis 1-1. I don't know that that's really true. But, but what did Jesus say about this image idea? Because he actually spoke about it. Matthew chapter 22, we're going to go through a passage of scripture here, and I love the way this works. Follow along with me right up here on the screen, or again, you can look in your Bible. Um, but this is during, Matthew actually writes this during the Passion Week. The Passion Week would be the week between um, Paul, what we call Palm Sunday now, to, right, and Resurrection Sunday, Easter. So it's in that final week of Christ, uh, of Christ living here on this earth prior to his crucifixion that Matthew seems to indicate that this takes place. But the Pharisees, they were, they were always after. They always wanted to trap Jesus. They always wanted to catch him, right, in his words. And in Matthew chapter 22, they do this. The Pharisees, then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him, that is Jesus, in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity. They want to butter him up here. And that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Look, Jesus, we understand that you do all these things so well. We understand that you are the teacher of truth. And you do things in the way of God. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, they continue on. Tell us then, as they, as they continue that's, there we go. Uh, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Jesus, we're talking taxes here. We're just talking April 3rd. What a fine time to talk about taxes, huh? Maybe we should bump this message forward a little bit. I should have bumped this passage of scripture forward a couple weeks. No. Anyway, all right. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? They're asking Jesus, well, hang on, how's this get back to Genesis chapter 1? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Right? He calls them right out right away. Hey, you guys are hypocrites. You're just trying to trap me. Show me the coin used for paying the tax. Bring it to me. They brought him a Daenerys. And he asked them, whose image right? Whose image, back to that idea of image, whose image is this? They pull out the coin and they give it to him. And as he looks at that coin, he shows it to him. Whose image is on this and whose inscription? They all know the answer. And they say, Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, so give back to Caesar what is Caesar's. And they're like, yes, there it is. See, he's telling people that they got to pay these. And they're thinking they're going to get, get, catch him in a trap. And you just wonder how Jesus, how, how does he say this? Does he pause for dramatic effect? Does he just continue right through, marching on through, going right through and hitting them right, in the, right between the eyes with it? How does he do it? But he continues on. Not only the Caesar, what is Caesar's, and to God, what is God's? When they heard this, they were amazed. Why were they amazed? They were amazed because when he asked about whose image is it, and they responded with Caesar's, he tells them, that's right, that's Caesar's image. He is the one that bears, his image is the one that is on that coin. So guess what? Give it back to him. It's his I don't mind. Do whatever you want to do with that. But then he says unto God, what is God's? And he nailed them. 
because they were aware of whose image, the Pharisees and the Herodians, they would understand what he is going back to, what he is making a comparison to there. Into God, what is God's? What is God's? You are made in his image is what he's saying. So guess what? You give to Caesar, yeah, give him the coins. But guess what? You give to God what is God's. Whose image do you bear? Give to God what is God's. You and I, we are made in the image of God. God said, let us make mankind in our image. We need to be aware of that. You need to be aware of that in your life, that you are made in the image of God. But not only do we need to be made aware of that, we need to remember that everyone is made in the image of God. Everyone? Yeah. You know that coworker that annoys you? Yeah, they're made in the image of God. How about the boss? How about the family member? How about whoever, how about the driver that cuts you off that we really don't like? How about whoever it is that annoys you the most, the person that you dislike the most? Maybe it's, maybe it's a race. Maybe it's something along those lines that you're just like, whoa, whoa I don't like those people. Uh-uh, uh-uh. They are made in the image of God. Everyone bears his image. Guess what that means? Everyone has value. What, are you kidding me? I don't like that idea. I like to be able to look down on some people, especially the people that annoy me. No, no, no. They are image bearers of God. They are made in his image. They are made in their likeness. Perfect? No. Sinful? Yes. Broken? Yes. But they are image bearers of God. Can I challenge you with this? Your identity is found in the image of God. In today's world, we look so much to find our identity in something else, right? We look to find our identity in our sexual orientation. We look to find our identity in our race. We look to find our identity in our family. We look to find our identity someplace that is out there. What is it that I need to find my identity in? Can I challenge you? Change your thinking to finding your identity. Guess what? I am made in the image of God. Broken, yes. Sinful, yes. If I trust Jesus Christ, forgiven and being remade into his image. You see, our hope is in Jesus Christ. Our hope isn't in finding the identity that I want to match up with what it is that I want to do because it's going gonna, it's gonna to leave me empty. I'm still going to be looking for more. But rather it's found. Our hope is found in Jesus Christ. He finished the term, right? Give to God what is God's. You are made in his image. You bear his likeness. Can I encourage you with this thought? Being made in the image of God is a great equalizer. And I, and I say it like that. Be, let, me, let me word it like this. Let me, hopefully I say this well to each one of you. When you are at your highest point and you are thinking you are God's gift to everyone, boy, I just had a great week and boy, did I do well. I got to tell you, my wife, she must just be so happy to be with me, right? Because I am so wonderful. Anybody ever have that kind of a week? Okay, me either. Wives, did you ever have that kind of a week where you're there like, I am so good. My husband must just realize that I am everything. And hopefully we think that of each other, right? Hopefully you think that throughout your life of, of your family and of different. But when we think we're great, I am so much better than everybody else at work. 
because I'm just doing my job better than anybody else ever could. I need to be reminded, guess what? Joel, you're, you're not God. You're just a minute, an image bearer of God. I am made in his image. As somebody that is made in the image, guess what? The image isn't that what, what they are, right? There is a beautiful statue of Michael Jordan outside of the arena, uh, outside of the arena in Chicago, right? That statue is wonderful, and it shows Michael Jordan in great form and everything like that. But guess what? It's just an image. It never did anything. It just reminds people of Michael Jordan. You and I, when we love others, we remind people of the image that we bear. We remind people of who God is. Can I tell you something? When we show hate, when we show disdain, when we show anger, when we show malice, guess what? People look and they say, how can they be of God? Look at how they behave. You see, being made in the image of God is a reminder to us when we are way up here high thinking that we're great. I'm an image bearer of God. I need to remember that. But guess what? It does another thing for you. When it's your lowest point. Right? You've been there, right? You've been at those low points in life. When you're there like, uh, who am I? I'm worthless. I'm nothing. I blew it at work. I blew it at home. I messed up again. God, I keep struggling with the same sin. And I'm at my lowest point. Guess what? It builds me up. I used to talk to teens about the idea of self-esteem, that they needed to have self-esteem. Guess what? When you're down here at your lowest end, you are made in the image of God. Find joy, rejoice in that very idea. Guess what? I am an image bearer of God. And there is rejoicing, there is salvation, there is grace, there is hope in the very idea that God, in his marvelous wonder, decided to create me in his image. And he didn't create a mistake. He didn't mess up. In a sin-fallen world, there are difficulties and struggles. But God knew what he was doing. And you're made in this image. So when you're thinking a little too highly of yourself, remind yourself, I'm an image bearer of God. I need to reflect him. And when you're at that broken, broken moment in time, that broken moment in your life, remind yourself, you are made in the image of God. You are of value. You are of worth. You are the special part, the centerpiece of the creation that God did. Say thank you for that and rejoice in that and be encouraged in that in your life. Our God is a good God. Our God is the God of creation. He created you. He created all that there is. You are made in his image. Celebrate that today. Pray with me, if you would, please. God, as we close our time out this morning, I want to be reminded to say thank you, Lord, that you have made us in your image. But Lord, not only with that may I be reminded, and may we be reminded, that as image bearers of yours, Lord, we want to be individuals who proclaim the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And God, I just ask that you would encourage each one here this morning. Walk with them in their life. If there are those that are beaten down, broken down, and would like to talk more about Jesus, 
God, I just ask, as a matter of fact, I would speak to you. If that is you, if you are here this morning, I would encourage you, come and find myself. I will be right out back following the service. Come or find Pastor Jeff. He will be right here as well. We would love to talk to you more. God, we say thank you. I pray for each one here. May we go into our week saying, thank you, Lord, for the blessings that we have. Thank you that you have chosen to make us in your image. God, may we honor you. May we serve you. May we love you. May we love others around us. Even those that we don't always want to love, God, may we be reminded that they are made in your image and they are of worth, they are of value to you. God, we close our time saying thank you. Thank you for who you are. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. I'm going to invite you to speak.